good morning. It's great to have you here. If you're joining us online, uh, welcome. And as they mentioned uh, this morning, we're wrapping up our series called When Pigs Fly. Uh, and what we've been looking at is, is trying to investigate and look at a God who is in heaven but intervenes in our world. And, and oftentimes when he is involved, he can make something happen that wouldn't have happened unless he had been involved. And if you've missed the first three weeks, uh, you can catch, catch them all online or jump on our app and you can listen to them there. Uh, but this morning, as we wrap up this series, I want to talk about the idea or the miracle of provision, of God stepping in and providing for us. And, and to be honest, like probably most of us at some point in our life, money has been tight. Maybe not today, but, but maybe at one point you were at that point where, where you looked at your bank account and the balance of your bank account, and then you started counting down the days until your next paycheck, and you're like, oh no, this math does not line up. It's not going to work out. Maybe you're a single parent and, and you've got three kids or, or, or you're, not, you're married and you've got three kids, whatever it is, and it just seems like the kids always are needing new shoes and they're always needing new jeans and it's like every day we want to eat again. And so you're <laughs> money, you know, or, or maybe, you're, maybe you're making, you have a really strong income and you got, you're making like six figures, but for whatever reason, it's just really tough to keep making all the ends meet because you've got high debt and you've got student loans and you've got medical debt and you've got car payments and you've got kids activities and going and, and you're just striving and working so hard just to kind of keep your head above water. And it can be a real difficulty in our culture with everything that's going on and all that's available, money and resources can get really, really tight. And so today in our message, what I want to look at hopefully is to bring some encouragement and look at the, the different stories throughout scripture where, where God provides where God's provision is seen. And, and the great news is, is that as we look through the Bible, there are countless stories where, where people were fearing that they didn't have enough, that they didn't have what it was going to take, that there wasn't enough in their life. And what's so exciting is throughout the Bible we find stories where God provides. And really what we begin to see in Scripture is that in every story of need, there's a miracle of provision where God steps in. And, and as we read through the Bible over and over and over again, we see there's a need and then we see God step in. Over and over and over again it happens. There's a story you might be familiar with it where thousands of people have gathered on a hillside because they want to listen to Jesus. And he's teaching and he's preaching and, and all of a sudden the people start getting hungry and they, there's no, nothing around for a long ways and the, the disciples are starting to freak out. Jesus' closest followers are like, we've got a crowd but they're getting hungry. What are we going to do? And So they come to Jesus and they're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed all these people? And Jesus is like, ah, you guys take care of it. And they're like, we don't know how to take care of it. We don't know what to do with it. They're like, all we've got are just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. Jesus is like, okay, and he takes the loaves and he takes the fish and he lifts them to heaven and he prays and, and then he starts breaking them apart and God blesses. And God begins to multiply and provide and again and again, it just keeps breaking it apart and, and thousands of people are, are fed and everybody goes home with their bellies full. So much food, in fact, that there's 12 baskets left over, one doggy bag for each of the disciples. God saying, hey, listen, I want you to remember, I'm the God of the miraculous, and I can provide, and I will be your faithful God. Go into the Old Testament, and there's this prophet by the name of Elisha, and Elisha ends up meeting this widow, and this widow is scared for her future. She's like, I don't have enough. I'm not going to, I don't have enough to survive. It's not going to work. I don't have anything that I need, and, and the prophet's like, well, what do you have? She's like, I have nothing, and oftentimes we say that. We're like, I have nothing. She had something. She didn't feel like she had very much. She didn't have a whole lot. All she had left was a little jar of oil, a little jar of olive oil. 
And so the prophet says, listen, gather up all the containers you can find and start pouring the oil into these containers. And as long as you have containers, there will be oil. And so she gathers up these containers and she starts pouring the oil into the container. And as long as there's a container that's empty, the oil just keeps on flowing and God miraculously providing. He took from this little bit of oil and he multiplied and he does this over and over and over. Sometimes we see bread from heaven. Sometimes we see meat being delivered by birds. But over and over and over, we see these stories or these stories of miraculous provision. There's another story. It's not in the Bible, but I found it pretty interesting, and I didn't snoops it or fact check it or anything, but it's a great story, so I'm going to run with it anyway. Um, stories about the single mom struggling to make ends meet and just couldn't seem to keep, you know, keep it all together, but she's trying, and she deeply believed that God would provide. And so oftentimes her neighbors would actually hear her. She would be praying out loud all the time. Jesus, I believe you can meet my needs. I trust you. I know you're going to meet my needs. And she would just pray out loud. And her neighbors would oftentimes hear her. One of her neighbors that would oftentimes hear her praying for God to meet her needs um, hated her because he hated God. And so this woman would just drive him crazy. He's like, why does she keep praying for God to provide? He's not really there. And so finally he's like, okay, I'm going to mess with this lady. I'm going to trick her. So the guy decides he's going to go to the grocery store, and he's going to buy some groceries. So he goes to the grocery store, he buys groceries, gets three bags of groceries, he comes back, puts it in front of her door, and then he hides around the corner. And he waits for the lady to come home, and the lady comes home, and she sees the, the groceries on her front porch, and she's like, yes! And she throws up her hands, and she's like, Jesus, I knew you would meet my needs. I knew you would meet my needs, Jesus. You did it again. And the guy jumps around the corner, and he's like, you fool. God didn't provide for your needs. I provided for your needs. I'm the one that went to the store. I'm the one that bought those groceries. God's not a good God. God doesn't even exist. And the lady throws her hands in the air and says, Oh, Jesus, you're even better than I thought. You provided for my needs, and you let the devil pay the bill. <laughs> and God miraculously provided. One of the early church leaders was writing to one of the churches um, that existed shortly after Jesus left the earth, and he was writing about this idea. This is what Paul wrote. It's in Philippians 4.19. He says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his, of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm guessing we all know that there's a difference between wants and need. Right? We all need clothes to wear. And some of us really would want to also have the 2019 Nike Air Vapor Max, right? Like, so there's, there's wants and then there's needs. Like, that's just an example that might sit with some of you. Uh, we need rest, but oftentimes we want that 14-day all-inclusive resort looking out at the ocean. We have wants and we have needs, or we need a house, we need shelter, we need a place to live in, and... And what we oftentimes maybe want is a farmhouse designed by Chip and Joanna Gaines. We have wants and we have needs, and they don't always, they're not always the same. There's a difference. And for us in our life, what we have to begin to recognize is that if we don't get that figured out, there's a problem because if we don't figure that out, oftentimes we think that, well, God's not doing what he said he was going to do. And the money isn't there and the resources aren't there, and we're like, well, God, you said you were going to provide. And, and sometimes God does come through, and sometimes God gives us more. And if you happen to have nice shoes, or you have a resort, or you have a nice house, it's not that God doesn't want us to have those things. And sometimes when we follow God's leading, he allows that to happen. When we follow his direction, he provides for that. But we have to understand that there's a difference between want, and we have to understand want and need. 
So to get a better idea of that, what I want to look at this morning is I want to take a deeper look into seeing three of the principles of God's miraculous provision. And we can pray, and God's not afraid of us praying and saying, telling him the things that we want and telling him the things that we need and telling him about opportunities that we want, and he's fine with that. But we have to understand that he, his promise, what he said he'll do is provide for our needs. Because if we don't figure that out, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be like, well, God, you're holding out. God, you're not following through. But ultimately, God follows through on what his promise truly is. So it's wise for us to know, and it's wise for us to understand what that is. And the first one is this. The first principle is that when God guides, he always provides. So wherever God is taking you, wherever God is guiding you, if you're, if you're choosing to follow his lead, his provision will always follow where he takes us. If you go off and do your own thing, God's not on the hook. But if as God leads you and as God directs you, he will always provide your needs in that area. Isaiah 58, 11, it says this. It says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched sun land. Notice what he's describing. That's a rough situation. A sun-scorched land. Basically, he's saying everything there is barren, it's dry, it's hot, there's no water. And apparently the reason that we're in that situation is God has led us to that. God has guided into that situation. It's not a fun place. It's not a day on the beach. It's not a great situation. But because God has led us there, he will then satisfy all of our needs. He could provide water, or it might be some encouragement, or it might be some shade, or a new cornhole set. I don't know. But God says, if I lead you there, if I take you there, even if it's a sun-scorched, difficult place, even if it's a, I'll provide. And the God of the universe will provide for all of our needs if he's led us to a situation. So God's provision isn't that I'm going to meet all of your dreams. It isn't that I'm going to fulfill all of your ambitions. But if God leads us somewhere, if God gives us a dream, if God creates that ambition, he'll provide. And he'll provide as, he, as it suits his will, as he leads us to where he wants us to go. But God's provision is that he will always provide when he leads us to a place. And sometimes we might think, God, God, where are you? Why haven't you come through? Why haven't you done what you said you were going to do? I've got this super high mortgage, and I've got a car payment to do, and I, I planned this vacation because I was led by the Spirit. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it, but Christmas 2014 is still not paid off. And maybe I'm going to step on some toes, but what we have to recognize is that God's provision is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for poor financial choices. And so God desires for us to understand that his promises, they will always be real in our lives. They will always happen, but it only happens. God is only responsible to fulfill our needs when we're following his lead. And if we go rogue and if we do our own thing, God's like, I still care about you you might have to fight this one on your own. But as soon as we step back into God's will and we follow where he's taking us, he begins to provide. There's this incredible story uh, out of the Old Testament. You might be familiar with it. It's the story of Abraham. It's this amazing story of Abraham, Abraham and his wife, Sarah. And they desired one thing more than anything. They desired to have a child. They were so hopeful that they would have a son. And actually, God comes and promises Abraham. He's like, listen, I'm going to make you the father of nations. And if you don't have a son, that makes it really difficult to be the father of nations. So day after day, Abraham and Sarah, they prayed and then they waited. 
And then they prayed and then they waited. And, and the years started to pile up and the decades started to pile up, but they continued to pray and they continued to wait. And they're like, God, you promised, you said. And then finally the promise comes true. And Isaac is born. And then several years later, God puts Abraham to the test and says, Abraham, I want, to take, I want you to take your son, the son that I promised you, the son that I provided. I want you to take your son and I want you to go up on top of the mountain. And I want you to offer, offer your son as a sacrifice to me. He's literally saying, Isaac, I want you to take your son that I have now given you and I, I want you to kill your son. As an act of sacrifice, as an act of obedience that, that you trust me. Abraham's like, okay, well, I'll follow you. I'll follow what you're asking me to do. I don't get it. I don't understand how it's going to work out. And so, so Abraham and Isaac, they get all the supplies and they head towards the mountain and they've got everything to make the sacrifice. Abraham knows they've got everything and in Isaac's mind, he's like, I feel like we're missing something. As they're walking, eventually Isaac's like, hey dad, um, so I, I know you know what you're doing and, uh, but this is a really long walk and uh, when we get to the top, it's going to be an awkward situation because um, we're not going to have something we need. We're missing a, a sacrifice? Where's, where's the sacrifice going to be? And Abraham has no idea how this is going to play out. If you know this story, it's so easy right here. It'd be like, oh, it's so kind of cute, right? But if you're in the story, you have no idea. Abraham has no clue. He's just hoping desperately that he's not about to lose his son. He has no, he has no idea how it's going to work out, but this is how Abraham responds. It says, Abraham answered Isaac, basically saying, God himself will provide the lamb. I would say that this is a sun-scorched land moment. Like it looks desperate. feels like there's no hope. How is this possibly going to work out? God is asking me to, to sacrifice my son. I don't know how it's going to go. And Abraham holds on to the reality that when God leads, then he always provides. And he knows that God has promised him a son. He knows that God has given him this son that he loves dearly. And so Abraham's just going to trust God that he has a plan. A plan that wherever God leads, even if it doesn't feel safe, and this situation does not feel safe, that God's going to provide. So they get to the top of the mountain, and they start to build the altar, and, and they're going through the whole process. And I know it doesn't make sense in our mind, like this whole concept of a sacrifice. We don't, that's not something we do, and the cultures are so different from then and now. But like, just imagine that moment. Building this altar, and I don't even know how Abraham convinces Isaac to climb on top, and he ties him down. And at some point, Isaac's got to be like, uh, <laughs> hey, Abraham pulls out his knife, and he raises it above his head, and then at that moment, an angel shows up, and an angel appears and says, oh, oh, oh okay, okay, good, 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 hold on, don't lay a hand on the boy, God now knows that, that you are going to follow, and it's at that moment that the provision shows up, it says, Abraham looked up. And there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Abraham was fixed on the will of God. He was locked in. He was going to say, listen, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what the answer is going to be when we get to the top. But he was able to answer his son and say, I, I don't know what it's going to be, but, the, but God's going to provide the lamb. 
And oftentimes we struggle because we're not fixed in on God. We're just fixated on what we lack. And if we look at life through that lens, if we're looking at life through what we lack rather than looking at what God is going to do or what God could do, then we'll describe God as unfaithful. And we'll feel like life is cheating us and that God hasn't provided. But the reality is that God is always true to his promise. And where God leads, he will always be faithful to provide. And when it comes to this amazing, miraculous God, he will always provide in the areas that he guides us into. So that's principle number one. The second principle is this, is that God miraculously multiplies what is given. Here's what's so fantastic about God, is that sometimes he's going to handle it all by himself, and sometimes he's going to let us be involved. The reality, he actually doesn't ever need our help. He doesn't really need any of us. And sometimes he does these miraculous things without our help. There's a story of three guys in the Bible that decide that they're, they're following God's lead and they decide that they're not going to bow down to the king of Babylon. The king of Babylon is like, everybody needs to worship me. And these three guys are like, mm, we're just going to follow God. And as a result, they get sentenced to death and they have to get thrown into this furnace. And so they, they get thrown into this super hot furnace and nothing happens. Miraculously, God provides for them and they, and they don't burn up. Another time, the Israelites are following God through the wilderness, going where he guides them. And God decides to put a Panera bread in heaven and just starts dropping bagels every day. Not really bagels, not really Panera, but how, how does this happen? Bread just falls from heaven every day? And God's like, yeah, I got this. This seemed fun. I, and then there's other times where God wants to build our faith, and he invites us to be a part of the miracle. And there's these moments where he says, listen, if you'll, if you'll give back, if you'll take the resources that I've provided with you and you'll give those back, I want to miraculously multiply what you've given. I mean, think back to the three stories that we referenced earlier. The widow, she takes her little bit of oil and it doesn't multiply until she starts to pour it out. It's not like God took it and said, hey, look in there, there's going to be a bunch. Oh, yay, this is okay. It wasn't until she started to pour it into the containers that God began to multiply. And it wasn't until a little boy walked up to Jesus and he's like, well, I, I got a couple loaves and a few fish. And then Jesus multiplies it and thousands of people are fed with leftovers available. And it wasn't until Abraham demonstrated his faith that God stepped in, where, where God said, hey, offer back to me what you care about most. And then God provided the land. And then Abraham became the father of the nation of Israel. And that's when the miracle happened. And in our life, we have the opportunity to be involved in this amazing adventure of following Jesus, where, where he wants to do all kinds of miracles in our life. And oftentimes, those miracles don't happen until you and I initially respond. Now here, this. I just want to make sure you understand something. This is not like a prosperity theology you know I'm not this is no like hey if you give a hundred dollars today in the offering your 96 Corolla is going to magically become a Mercedes S class when you get outside like that if that does happen please take a picture post it to Instagram hashtag SCFC help us out a little bit but um, I don't think it's going to happen but what's amazing is this miraculous God wants to multiply what we give back. And he's inviting you and I to be a part of 
those miracles. And our God is a miraculous multiplier of what we give back. Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He says this. He says, This generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant toward you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it. God's going to meet our needs. And then he will multiply what we put to work out of what he's given us. And as we trust him with what he's provided us with, as we give it back to him, then he multiplies what we have. And there's a critical reason that it happens where we give first and then God multiplies. God's going to provide for our needs, but then he multiplies after you and I respond, after we sow. Because if we don't sow first, then there's no faith. And the whole idea of us giving back is for God to grow our faith. For God to multiply. If the farmer doesn't take the seed and put it in the ground, if he doesn't sow it first, if he doesn't give back first, then it doesn't happen. And this principle of giving back goes all the way back to the Levitical law where God is talking to Moses and saying, listen, this is how the Israelite people need to live. And in that description, God lays out what's known as the tithe. And he's describing, he's like, listen, take a, take a percentage of what God blesses you with. Take a portion of what you've been given and then in faith, give it back to God and then watch him provide again. You can go 400 years, go back to Abraham before Moses, where Moses provides a tithe to this priest named Melchizedek, saying, I recognize who you are and I want to honor you and, and I'll give you a portion. And throughout the life of Jesus, he affirms again and again this idea, this, this teaching that, that when we trust God, when we trust that God has provided, when we say, listen, God, I recognize all that you've given me. I recognize all of the needs that you've provided. And then when we give back to him, we're inviting him to step into our finances, to step into our resources and multiply. And not just provide for our needs, but begin to multiply. And it's not just about multiplying in this get rich scheme. It's not about tricking God into dropping new money into our account. It's saying, God, when I follow this concept of the tithe, which means I'm going to give you 10%, God, I'm going to trust that you're going to bless everything else that I've still got, and that you're going to meet all of my needs, and you're going to bless out of the fact that I've given back to you. You've given to me, and now I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to give a portion back, and then I'm going to allow you to multiply. And this decision of saying, God, I want you to step in starts by you and I faithfully saying, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you that you're going to take this 90% that I've got left over, and you're going to cover all of my needs. And you're going to bless it in such a way that things are going to happen that I never expected could happen. And what's so amazing about this is God doesn't demand that you do it. He invites you to do it. And if you want God to step into your finances and allow you to be able to do the things that you want to do, you're like, God, help, God, help, God, help. But you're holding on to it. Basically, we're not invited him in yet. It's when we say, God, help, and here I'm going to trust you. And when we do that, then God begins to do incredible things and grows our faith. And it's not just about growing our money and piling up dollars. It's about saying, God, I want you to bless all the areas of my life. God, I want you to, I want you to step in, and I, I, I want to prove that I'm faithful, and I want you to grow all these. I want you to help grow my marriage, strengthen my connection with my kids, and help me be a better boss, help me be a better employee. But it starts when we indicate to God and say, listen, God, you are the first. You are the greatest of importance in my life. And so I'm going to take a portion of what you've given me. I'm going to sow it. I'm going to return it. I'm going to give back to you. And then we watch God multiply. 
and work in our lives as we reveal our faith in Him. And if we don't figure this out, honestly, until we get there, we will find ourselves running into a roadblock. We'll find ourselves running into something where we, if we're not trusting Him fully, if we're not saying, God, I'm going to give this back to you, our faith will be limited as to where it can go. And if we think back to the story of Abraham, we think about this whole concept of sacrificing your son and kind of scratch our heads like, what in the world? Why in the world would God ask him to sacrifice Isaac? This seems to make no sense at all. But what God knew is that God knew his purpose for Abraham's life. He knew that what he was going to ask Abraham to do was going to carry some huge weight. That what he was calling him to was going to require him to place his faith in God at such a high level that God needed to know, are you fully in? And God wants to say to you, are, are you fully in? God doesn't need your 10%. This isn't about God being like, well, I got some bills to pay, so if you guys would all step up. It's about recognizing that God has a purpose for your life. That God has something that he wants for you. And when you and I choose to put him first, by what he's given us back, that begins to say, God, I, I'm ready for whatever it is you're calling me to. Whatever the weight of it is that you're calling me to, I'm going to trust you that you're going to provide. And so I'm going to put you first in this particular area of my life and then allow you to run and be true in all of it. Here's the thought we have to understand is that everything you keep is all that you have. If you keep it all, that's all you've got. But when we give back to God, then he can multiply the remainder. Thought number three, a third principle is this, and this is the exciting one, is that you might be a part of God's miraculous provision. Think about it. Over here, you've got somebody that's praying and praying, and God, I need, and God, I need, and when you answer my prayer, would you help me? And then over here, one day, God's like, hey, um, I've got something for you to do. Why don't, why don't you try this? Step into this. And when you and I respond to that, and when we respond to his guidance, all of a sudden, God prompts our hearts, and we're a part of the miraculous provision because of our obedience. Paul told us this in 2 Corinthians 9, 11. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. If you've ever had God do some miraculous event in your life, it's an amazing moment. But if you've ever been allowed to be a part of the miraculous event in somebody else's life because of your obedience, you will never forget that. That moment where you respond and you listen to God and you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And then you do it and all of a sudden somebody else's life is changed because you miraculously help step in in that moment. And honestly, this is a church of incredibly generous people. So generous. And as a result of you being generous, God is transforming lives around our community, around our world. Elizabeth was just mentioning that just this last week, we're in the process of doing some remodeling in our bathrooms, and, and, and the contractor that came and was looking at it, he came and he looked, and the whole time throughout the situation, he was like, I'm really excited about doing this project for you guys. Over and over, he's like, oh, I can't wait to do this project for you guys. I can't wait to do it. I'm like, why is this contractor so excited about it? But for some reason, because of the fact that you've generously given, now we have the opportunity to do this remodel. This contractor who has no connection to church excited about being here. And at the end, he's like, hey, what's this summer splashdown thing? My boy and I, we're going to be there. He 
never would have known about it unless you guys had contributed and allowed us to do this bathroom remodel. And now this contractor's life, who knows what's going to happen. I'm excited to tell you in a couple years where he's now following Jesus. and his son, I don't know what's going to happen. I shouldn't tell you. <laughs> because of your generosity, 2,500 people now have access to clean drinking water because of the wells that we've been able to fund in Africa and in Indonesia and Nepal. I would imagine that all of those people would say that's a miraculous provision in their life. We're in the process of helping build some latrine systems in Liberia. Liberia has suffered a civil war and, and their whole infrastructure was destroyed. So we're helping build some latrines to provide a healthier living environment for these people. Again, we get to be a part of a miraculous provision. I would encourage you this week, if the sun is out, come into our back parking lot and just park somewhere where you can see our field. And just watch. I guarantee you, if the sun is out and you sit in the back and watch our field, you will see a family walk up from one of the neighborhoods, or they'll drive in, and their kids will get out, and they'll start having fun on our playground. I promise you, it happens every single day, even when the sun is not out. I open the door, and there's kids back there, and they're laughing, and they're playing. People bring their dogs and throw tennis balls all over our field. Joy and laughter is happening it's a miraculous provision because of your generosity. Last year, we had 15 people accept Jesus for the first time. We had eight people choose to be baptized. It doesn't happen if you that have contributed don't choose to do that. And so for every individual, you are changing lives because you chose to give. And if you've given to Silver Creek, you've been a part of these miraculous provisions in people's lives. You've been a part of helping bless them. And as God leads, it might be choo choosing to be generous. It might be that you need to give a word of encouragement. It could be through prayer. It could be through a listening ear. But every time we do that, every time through our generosity, when we follow God's prompting, somebody's going to thank God because of your faithfulness. God is going to meet somebody's need through you because of your choice. And as we saw at the beginning, what we find throughout Scripture is that God will miraculously provide. And everywhere that he guides, he will always provide where he leads us. And sometimes fear grows and our, our mind starts to say, well, what if I run out? What if I run out? As we begin to practice this more and more, our faith starts to grow and we begin to wonder, I wonder how God's miraculously going to provide. It doesn't, I don't think it's going to work. I don't know how he's going to step in. He's going to do something. And fear says, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to give. And faith says, God is going to do something miraculous with that 90%. And somehow that 90% that I hold on to is going to go even further than 100% now. Steps in and works in situations and does the impossible and makes the impossible possible. And every week we put in your, card, or in your program these connect cards to just challenge you to think through what is it that you're going to do based on what you've heard this morning. So maybe your next step this morning is to recall a time that God guided you to something new and provided what you needed. Maybe your next step is to determine the area where you can be generous and allow God to multiply what you have. Maybe your next step is to identify a situation that God has called you to be the provision that somebody else needs. Maybe there's just something for yourself that, that God said to you specifically, that you, you felt him speaking to your heart, you felt him speaking to your mind, that, that you just know you need to do based on what you've heard this morning. The band's going to come in just a second and play one last song. We'll just pray for you and that God would work and that he would help you to step into what he's calling you to do. Let's pray.
God, would you help us to recognize that you truly are the miraculous provider. That in our lives, as we follow you, as we trust you, you will continue to meet our needs. You will continue to provide. God, God, give us the ability to trust you. God, give us the ability to recognize that if we are faithful, you will miraculously multiply. God, as we've gone through this series, I'm just hoping and praying that that you'll be growing our faith, that you'll grow our ability to trust you, that we'll recognize again and again that you are the God that can make the impossible possible.